sei quem sei. Church, let us, let us know page 535, one page over. The glory land way. Once again, pages 535, if all found, let us sing together. I'm in the way, the bright and shiny way. I'm in the glory land way. Telling the world that Jesus say today, yes, I'm in the glory land way. You know that I'm in the glory land, glory land way. I'm in the glory land way. Heaven is nearer and the way grow it clearer for I'm in the glory land way. You know that I'm in the glory land, glory land way. I'm in the glory land way. Heaven is nearer and the way grow it clearer for. I'm in the glory land way. Listen to the call, the gospel call today. Get in the glory land way. Wonders come home, oh, hasten to obey for. I'm in the glory land way. You know that I'm in the glory land, glory land way. I'm in the glory land way. Heaven is near, oh, and the way grow it clear up for. I'm in the glory land way. You know that I'm in the glory land, glory land. I'm in the glory land way. Heaven is nearer and the way grow it clearer for. I'm in the glory land way. Onward I go rejoicing in his love. I'm in the glory land way. Soon I shall see him. In that home above, oh, I'm in the glory land way. You know that I'm in the glory land, glory land way. I'm in the glory land way. Heaven is nearer and the way grow it clearer for. I'm in the glory land way. You know that I'm in the glory land glory land way. I'm in the glory land way. Heaven is nearer and the way grow it clearer for. I'm in the glory land way. Church let us know pages. 528. I know that my Redeemer lives 528. Fall, find out the sing together. <clears throat> I know that my Redeemer lives and ever pray for me. I 
life he gives from sin and sorrow free. I know, I know that my Redeemer lives. I know, I know eternal life he gives. I know, I know that my Redeemer lives. He will that I should wholly be in word and thought in deed. Then I his holy face may see when from this earth lie free. I know, I know that my Redeemer lives. I know, I know eternal life he, he gives. I know, I know that my Redeemer lives. I know that unto sin for me is saving grace is nigh. I know that he will come again to take me home on high. I know I, <clears throat> my Redeemer lives. I know, I know eternal life he, he gives. I know, I know that my Redeemer lives. I know that over yonder a place prepared for me, a home, a house not made with hands, most wonderful to see. I know, I know that my Redeemer lives. I know, I know eternal life he, he gives. I know, I know that my Redeemer Amen. Good morning, church. Scripture reading will be read this morning from the book of Luke, chapter 9, verses 22 through 25. That's Luke, chapter 9. Verses 22 through 25. And it reads as follows. Saying, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elder and chief priests and scribes and be slain and be raised the third day. And he said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantage if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? May God continue blessing the readers, the hearers, and the doers of his word. Let us bow and go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Our Father and our God, which are in heaven. Heavenly Father, we come with our head bowed to the earth, with thanksgiving in our heart, thanking you for so many blessings you have blessed us with. 
We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for the prayers that you have answered in the past. And we pray, Heavenly Father, you will continue answering in the future. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for giving us this privilege to assemble together and in which you in spirit and in truth. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for the prayers that you have answered in the past, and we just pray, Heavenly Father, you will continue answering them in the future. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for providing us the food, clothes, shelter, transportation, and financial means. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for each and every person here today, and we pray, Heavenly Father, for the one that had the desire to be here, but for some reason wasn't able to be. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for bringing us out of darkness and placing us into your marvelous light. But most of all, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love, your mercy, your grace, your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who freely left his home in glory, came to earth, lived, died, and were buried and rose again on the third day, according to the scripture. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for the blood that he shed that he purchased the church that we are a member of. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for the Holy Spirit. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for your word, which is our guideline from earth to glory. We thank thee, Heavenly Father. We pray, Heavenly Father, for every church door open and every person proclaiming your word this morning, Heavenly Father. We pray, Heavenly Father, for the sick and the shut-in. We just pray, Heavenly Father, for the one that's traveling and will be traveling. We pray, Heavenly Father, they'll get to and from their destination safe without any hurt, harm, or danger coming to them. We also pray, Heavenly Father, for the bereaved family all over the world. We just pray, Heavenly Father, you will comfort and strengthen those families in the way, Heavenly Father, that only you know how. And we pray, Heavenly Father, for each and every member and their family here at Inglewood Church of Christ. We pray, Heavenly Father, you would bless us with the thing you know we stand in need of according to your will. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that your will will be done here on earth as it is done in heaven. And Heavenly Father, when we think, say, or do anything contrary to your word, we pray, Heavenly Father, you will forgive us and won't hold it against us at the judgment box. Pray, Heavenly Father, you will continue strengthening us where we are weak and build us up, Heavenly Father, where we are torn down. And we pray, Heavenly Father, for the ones that's walking in darkness. We pray, Heavenly Father, they'll see the light and come to the light before it's everlasting too late. And we also pray for our delinquished members. We pray, Heavenly Father, they'll come back and repent before it's everlasting too late. And we pray also, Heavenly Father, that we'll continue loving each other more and more each day. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that we'll be a better Christian today than we were yesterday. And we know, Heavenly Father, that the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are free. We pray, Heavenly Father, a special prayer for Brother Cole Pepper, that he come deliver us the bread of life. We pray, Heavenly Father, we'll listen Though what we'll listen towards eternity, because these will be eternal matters he will be delivering unto us. And not only listeners and hearers of your word, Heavenly Father, but also doers of your word. And the thing that we learn, Heavenly Father, 
we'll be able to go and teach and tell others what they must do to be saved. And Heavenly Father, we just pray that this worship service will be done decent and in order. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that it will be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. And Heavenly Father, when we done come to the end of our journey and said our last prayers and taken our last breath, we just pray, Heavenly Father, we'll hear those wonderful words. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Come on in, get your mansion, your robe, and your crown. All these blessings we ask in your Son and our Savior Jesus Christ's name. Let the church say amen. Church, I'm going to ask you to place your markers at pages 903 for the Song of Invitation. Pages 903 for the Song of Invitation. In our next song selection, let us know pages 882. No tears in heaven. <clears throat> if all found, let us sing together. No tears in heaven, no sorrows given, all will be glory in that land. There'll be no sadness, sadness, all will be gladness when we shall join that happy band. And there'll be no tears in heaven's fair, no tears, no tears of their sorrow. And pain will all have flow, and there be no tears in heaven's fair, no tears, no tears of there, no tears in heaven will be known. Glory is waiting, waiting, waiting up yonder, where we shall spend day. There will. Our Savior, Savior, will be forever where no more sorrow can dismay. And there be no tears in heaven's fair, no tears, no tears of their sorrow and pain will all have flown. And there be no tears in heaven's fair, no tears, no tears of their, no tears in heaven will be known. And there be no tears in heaven's fair, no tears, no tears of their sorrow and pain will all have flown. And there be no tears in heaven's fair, no tears, no tears of their, no tears in heaven will be known. Some morning yonder, yonder, we'll cease to ponder. All these this life is how to
the church say amen again. Amen. There'll be no tears in heaven. I'm just so thankful to God that we can sing a song that gives us the encouragement to know that there is a place that we will go if we're faithful unto death, where there'll be no more sorrow, no more pain, no more suffering, and no more tears in heaven. I remember John says in the book of Revelations, the book called the book of eschatology, the book of the last things, John said that he saw a tree that beareth all manner of fruit, whose leaves was for the healing of the nations. He also said that God shall wipe away all of their tears. And so I'm thankful, God, thankful to God that we can sing such a song that helps, reminds us that all of the challenges of life, all of the sorrow, the pain, the suffering that we go through down here has an end. Uh, and that end is in heaven's glory. And where there is no more sorrow, no more pain, and no more suffering. It is good to be in worship this morning. I, I don't know what better place to be uh, than in the Lord's worship service. Uh, I, I, I think the Lord gave us uh, some grace and some mercy because he probably thought that we could probably just do just one day. Uh, and that is on the Lord's day. Uh, but let me tell you something. I think every day it should be a day where we worship God, uh, where we give him the praise, the honor, and the glory. Perhaps that is why. Worship me, in fact, and is, in fact, based on the biblical text, uh, upon the first day of the week. Uh, but devotion can happen every day, any day, multiple times a day. You can always enter into your prayer closet, if you will, in the figurative sense, and go to God in prayer. Uh, you can always sing hung, 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 uh, and, and hum a song or a tune, if you will, uh, to God for all that he has done. And so there is never a moment where you cannot go to the Lord and just have that fellowship with him. Isn't that a blessing? Uh, so we may worship one day a week on the first day of the week in specific. But devotion to God can happen uh, anytime. I'm so glad that we don't have an absentee God. Uh, um, Jesus reminds us as we uh, turn our minds toward the Gospels, Luke chapter 9 in specific. Uh, when we look at the Gospels, uh, the, uh, Jesus reminds us of of, uh, of the significant relationship that we have with him. Uh, we've been talking about the foot of the cross or at the foot of the cross, and, and, and last Lord's Day I uh, shared a thought concerning how uh, Jesus uh, ended his uh, pilgrimage with the apostles, the disciples, uh, as a whole. And in Matthew 28, a little bit different from Luke, but in Matthew chapter 28, in verse number 16, uh, Jesus brought his ministry uh, to a culminating point. Uh, and he, he let the disciples know, in this particular sense, the 11 that were remaining. He says, then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And I, I want you to see that 
these are the words of Christ. He says, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Uh, and when you see and read where he says all power, that means that there is no other power. I, I just got to drop that off there. Because some folk think that the devil has power. Amen. The devil doesn't have any power. Jesus has all power. Uh, the, 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 we, we allow the influences of the devil to affect our lives, but that's by choice, not because he has power. Amen. God has all power. Jesus has all power. He says, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And he says, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them. Notice the significance, the baptizing them. In the name of the Father and of the, uh, of the, uh, and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And so we, 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 we see here that uh, the, the power that Jesus speaks about is, 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 is relegated to three who have uh, the authority to exercise that power. And he says the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And so you, you have to understand that. That, 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 that when we go down in the watery grave of baptism, it, it is not the individual who is, uh, that is the, 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 uh, the brother that is putting the individual under the water, uh, that is uh, uh, effectuating that person's relationship with God. That, that, that what you see is the example and in fact the ensample of what God instituted when John the baptizer baptized Jesus in the river Jordan. And that's what you see here. And what you also see is Romans chapter 6. Buried with him in baptism. Buried with Christ in baptism. Immersed under the watery grave of baptism, in baptism. The, the, the idea of the high priest taking the tip of his finger and dipping it into the palm of his hand where was a pool of blood, animal blood, innocent blood. He would bury the tip of his finger into the pool of the blood that was in the palm of his hand. And then he would sprinkle it across the instruments that were supposed to be used in worship. He would baptize, if you will, those things in that sense. And, and they would be prepared, sanctified, set apart for God. They would be cleansed, if you will, ready to be used for God. The baptizing is something that was authorized by Jesus. For he says that there are three that, in fact, have the authority that we need to acknowledge when someone is being baptized. And that's why you hear us say, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Because these are the three that have power and the authority to effectuate that soul to become children of the Most High God. Are y'all with me? And so then we get into verse number 20, and he says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Now, now we spoke about that last time, and I want to pick up on that as we uh, 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 segue into Luke chapter 9. I wanted to pick up on that because there's some significance about that lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the ages. In the text it says the world. The Greek idea is ages. In other words, when the world comes to an end, 
into the end of the world. And, and, and you have to understand, since Jesus, Ephesians chapter 2, is at the right hand of the Father, you have to ask yourself, then how is it that Jesus would make a statement such as this, lo, I'm with you always, even until the end of the world. And so we, we, we need to tease that out. We need to unpack that so that we can understand how is, how is Christ with us? Well, you have to go back to the previous statement that he says. He says, all power is given unto me in heaven and in the earth. Lord have mercy. And so anything that lets us know, anything that is of God that is in the earth is because Jesus has effectuated it to be so. And so when, 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 when we read John, John, the gospel according to John, we read John 16 in particular, or perhaps even if you start with John chapter 14 and read chapter 14, chapter 15, and chapter 16, when you read those three chapters, you'll find where Jesus would begin to speak about when the spirit of truth is come. Lord have mercy. When the spirit of truth is come, which he's referring to the Holy Spirit, when the spirit of truth is come, he shall guide you in all truth. Amen. When the spirit of truth is come, he shall guide the apostles into all truth. They will be in, in, endowed with the knowledge of God, immersed in the spirit of God, baptized in the spirit, Acts chapter 1. When the spirit, Mark chapter 9, when, when, when the spirit, if you will, overcomes them and they are now, if you will, endued with the power of God on that day of Pentecost, when they, when they are now speaking in tongues that they had not learned, speaking in languages of all nations, these are the things, this is an example of the power and the authority that Jesus has. And that Jesus has, if you will, uh, 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 allowed for the Holy Spirit to, 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 to place upon all those who were uh, the disciples, who were in fact going into all the world and preaching the gospel. And even not only those in the immediate sense, but those who would come after them. The disciples, the learners of God will continue to teach and to perpetuate the truth of God's word. Not in the way that the disciples did in the early days, in the first century, because they had the miraculous indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But in the days of how Paul told Timothy, when he told Timothy to study, to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed, Rightly divided and handling the right, rightly setting forth the word of truth. That in that way, as Paul would say in Ephesians chapter 3, whereby when you read, you shall understand my knowledge of the mystery that be in Christ Jesus. In the way that he would say in Acts chapter 17 and 11, those of Berea were more noble than those of Thessalonica, in that they searched the scriptures daily to see if what Paul was saying was true. But nevertheless, when we find Jesus saying unto us, he's with us to the end of the ages, you have to understand that everything that is of God that still remains in this world, in this earth, is because Jesus has allowed it. Amen. And that is how he remains with us until the end of the ages. And that is why baptism is still, if you will, the, the, the process by, by which one must go in order for their relationship to be effectuated in the body of Christ. Because Jesus left it so. Amen. Amen. Baptizing them in the name of the Father 
and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. You may recall that we talked about witnesses. Last Lord's Day, as we built up this lesson about being at the foot of the cross, we were talking about the witnesses of the blood. And when you look at the idea of 1 John, if you will, chapter 5, you will find where he says there are three that bears record in heaven. Lord have mercy. There are three that bears record in heaven. Right? And so if you turn quickly, if you will, if you turn quickly over to 1 John chapter 5, if you're with me this morning, turn over to 1 John chapter 5. Let's, let, let's quickly do uh, a, a little reading here as we talk about those witnesses of the blood. So in 1 John chapter 5, as John writes to the, uh, uh, to the church, if you will, a, 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 as a whole, but, but, but in particular, he's writing to those, if you will, that, that, are, that are challenged uh, uh, by the uh, uh, by the differences in doctrine between Judaism and, and Christianity. But nevertheless, he looks at 1 John chapter 5, and if you will, you can drop down to verse number 6, and he says, if you will, and, and I'll just start at verse number 5. Uh, he says, who is he that overcometh the world? Wait a second. And lo, I'm with you, even until the end of the world. Amen. John says, well, who is he that overcometh the world? So so I don't want to run through this or run past this. I want you to understand something. If you're going to overcome the world, it's not going to be because of how great you have been. Amen. But it's about how good Jesus is. How he is now and how good he has been. In going to the cross and dying for the sins of the whole world. Who is he, John says? Who is he that overcometh the world? And the wonderful idea of the world of the word here that gives us the word overcometh, it comes from a very interesting Greek word that really means carry away the victory. Lord have mercy. Who is he that overcometh the world? Who is he that carries away the victory? And I want you to see something. This is, this, boy, this is good. Because let me tell you something. When you, when, you, when you read it from the sense of carrying away the victory, it implies, and you certainly can infer from the phrase, that that means that if one's carrying away the, the victory, one has been in some type of battle. <laughs> oh, y'all. <laughs> see, if I say overcome it, 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 it pretty much gives you the idea that that person has succeeded in something which is great. But God says, I want you to understand, it's just not succeeding for success' sake. What he says is, you have come, you have carried away the victory. In other words, you've gone through some stuff. You've been, a, you've been in a battle. Amen. And just not any battle. You have to understand, this, is just, this isn't just, you know, fighting for fighting's sake. This isn't just warring for warring's sake. This isn't, this isn't a, 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 in the sense of the, uh, the, the Grecian games and the Romans game. It's not about a wreath around your head in that sense. What he's saying is when you're carrying away the victory, you have to remember what's significant about this overcoming. When you carry away the victory, that means you've rescued your soul. Because that's, <laughs> who is he that overcometh the world? Who is he? that carries away the victory. He is the one that has saved his soul. Amen. 
let that rest for a moment. It, it, it's not about what you have acquired in this world that causes you to carry away the victory. It's not about the things of this world, if you will, that uh, allow you to overcome it. But who is he that saves his soul, that carries away the victory, that overcometh the world? Look what he says. Who is he? That overcometh the world. But he that believeth that Jesus is the son of God. Lord have mercy. That is how one carries away the victory. He says this is the one that if you will overcometh the world. This is the one that saves his or her soul. When their faith and their belief is focused on Jesus being the Son of God. And being that he is the Son of God, it means that you are then, if you will, focused on fulfilling the commandments of God. And as John says, his commandments are not grievous. And so when Jesus says, he that believeth, and he is baptized shall be saved, he said, look, this isn't something that's grievous. Amen. There are things in the world that are worse than being baptized for the remission of your sin. I can guarantee you that. God says, my commandments are not grievous. And the things that are in the world, let me tell you something, no matter what it is that is in the world that you may have acquired, that you may have given yourself over to, none of it can save your soul. But God says, my commandments are not grievous. And it is. That you are baptized for the remission of your sin. Verse number 6 says, this is he that came by water and blood. Right? Even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the spirit that bears witness because the spirit is true. And so when John in the gospel says, when the spirit of truth is come, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes, if you will, in the form of the first century church. He comes where he gives and guides the apostles into all truth. He gives them the word of God. And you have to understand what this means. He gives them the word of God, the apostles, in that age where they now go and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. But remember, Isaiah has already said that the Spirit has given us the entire complete word of God from Genesis to Revelation. If that is how you want to look at the text, then not in chronological order, but that's irrelevant. The body of knowledge from Genesis to Revelation is about the spirit giving to the apostles, giving to the prophets, giving to the prophetess, if you will, the, the, the revelation of God's word, whereby they spoke it and they wrote it. And the spirit gave it to them. stammering lips, miracles and whatnot to show that the word that was being spoken was in fact the truth of God's word. Those 
during that time of the miraculous, God allowed for there to be, if you will, miraculous examples to manifest God's word. But in our day and age, in our day and age, it's not about what we see, it's about what we believe. That the spirit has given us and one of the things that we know about the truth is when we look at the word of God he says that the spirit of truth has come and the spirit has given them if you will the, the 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 gospel and has given us this body of knowledge from Genesis to Revelation when in Hebrews chapter uh, uh, 1 and also Hebrews chapter 11 but in Hebrews chapter 1 when he talks about how the elders gained if you will the 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 uh, a great report or a good report from God because they, they believed that God had made the worlds He tells us what the truth is. He tells us how the world came into being. God made the worlds. Every planet, every star that we see, the sun, the moon, everything that we see, God has created and provided because the spirit of truth has come. And the spirit of truth is a witness is a witness. Now, last Lord's Day I said you have to understand the significance of being a witness. One of the elements of being a witness is that you have personal knowledge of what occurred. Lord have mercy. And when he talks about the spirit being the spirit of truth and being a witness, the spirit of truth gives us, if you will, that the worlds were created by God. Therefore, that must mean, since the spirit is a witness... And he has said that the worlds were made by God. That must have meant that the spirit was there at the time God did what he did. He's a witness. You go back to the book of Genesis. Look at the consistency of God's word. Look at the consistency. God said, let us make man. God said, let there be light. And the Bible says that the spirit brooded upon the face of the Lord. The spirit was there. When creation came into being, he's the spirit of truth. He's a witness, not only of the things that God has done, but let me make the the, the transition here. Remember, there are three that bear record not only in heaven, but there are also three that bear record in the earth. Not only in verse number seven, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, which is Christ. John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was God, the Word was with God, and nothing was created without him. That's Christ. And then he says, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. And so when he says, for there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. Remember what we just read about He says, and lo, all power is given unto him, that is Christ, in heaven and in earth. And so look what happens. In John's writings, John says, and there are three that bear record in heaven. Let me tell you something. There is no ambiguity. There is no confusion about the power of Christ's blood. 
because the Father has authorized it and ordained it. The Holy Spirit has sanctified it. Amen. And Christ has supplied it. The three bear record about the power of his innocent blood. And then he goes on in verse number eight. And there are three that bear witness in the earth. The spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree in one. Now remember, the spirit is a witness not only of those things that are in heaven, which he communicated and revealed to those upon the face of the earth. But Lord, I with you always, even until the end of the ages. Because see, the spirit is still working through the word of God. Revealing through the word of God. That's why Paul says, study to show thyself approved. That's why James chapter 1 says, he that lacketh wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all liberally and upbraideth not. Let me tell you something. When you're studying the word of God, the spirit is there in the word of God working with you. Romans chapter 8 says that the spirit witnesses testimony, makes testimony and witnesses with our spirit that we are children of God. When I study God's word, I'm not studying alone. I'm studying with the Holy Spirit. That is how God, Christ, remains with us. And he bears witness well in the earth. And that means until the world comes to an end, the spirit's bearing witness. So as he bore witness of what God did, what Christ did, so does the Holy Spirit bear witness concerning what we do in our lives. So when you read there are three that bear record in the earth, we said last time, the blood, the blood cleanses us from our past sin. The water sanctifies us. Amen. Purifies us before God. The Spirit is a witness to the change. Lord have mercy, I don't think y'all heard me. The blood can only do what God authorized it to do. The blood is to, uh, is to, is to, is to uh, uh, if you will, cleanse us from all of our past sins and therefore makes us justified before God. Only the pure blood of Christ, the, if you will, the power of the innocent blood can make such a thing happen. The blood does that job. But we have to go through the water to become sanctified before God. Are y'all with me? We have to become purified before God. We have to become cleansed before God as the priests did in the Old Testament before they went into the temple of God, the holies of holies and the holy place, if you will. Before they could go in, they had to wash themselves through the water. And then the innocent animal blood was placed on them. The Bible says before the priest did anything, they first had to sanctify themselves before they could offer for the other people. Notice what's happening. You know who's there doing the job to make sure things are being done appropriately? The Spirit. The Spirit. How do you know, Brother Culpepper? Remember 
that God's judgment, when God exercised judgment, it was immediate in the Old Testament. God didn't have, later on, God, if you will, instituted the idea of long-suffering and mercy in the sense of the New Testament text. But when it came to certain events in the Old Testament, the Bible says in, 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 at the witness of two or three, a, a person would die immediately as God would exercise that. We talked about Leviticus chapter 10 with Nadab and Abihu, and we talked about that. But let me tell you something. If the priests went into the temple and they were not cleansed, they had to drag them out because somebody was witnessing. And not only was that the case then, it's the case now. How do you know, Brother Culpepper? Let me ask you something. When we take communion, are you really listening to the words that are being spoken? Have you ever really heard, uh, read the words that are spoken when it comes to taking communion? Now, we know that the Spirit gave us the word. Y'all might as well say amen when you can. The state, when I'm saying truth, just say amen. Don't be looking at me funny. Examine myself. Because God is watching. Oh, Lord have mercy. The Spirit is watching. He knows where you are, who you are, and whose you are. Let a man examine himself. In other words, I can't tell you not to take the communion. You got my servant. You got a servant. So what we have to understand is when we're looking at why this idea of being at the foot of the cross, we understand that the spirit is a witness. The spirit isn't a witness to watch you roll up and down the aisle and to mumble in words that you don't even know what you're talking about and neither does no, no one else. The spirit's like, that ain't my job. But I tell you what my job is. My job is to witness with your spirit that you are the child. In other words, I don't care how many flip-flops and crop wheels 
child of God. You can shake until you are finished shaking, but that don't make you a child of God. Why do those things anyway? God has not commanded such things to be done. There's no demonstration of that in the word of God. And it's, oh, well, you remember the man who was jumping and leaping and praising God? He, was, he jumped up, amen, and he was thanking God. He wasn't talking about the Holy Spirit was in him and he was flip-flopping. When you presented yourself with a conscience, that conscience is being scrutinized by the Holy Spirit of God. That's why when someone says, I want to be baptized, you know what we do? We put them in the water. Because we know who bears record. It is the Spirit that says the blood is going to. water is just water until the spirit does what he does this is just cracker It's through our relationship with the blood, our relationship with the water, our relationship with the Holy Spirit here on earth. And that is what gets us from through day, from, uh, from day to day, from moment to moment. It is that relationship that we have with God on the earth. You know, too many people are looking so fast forward to heaven. And you haven't gotten it right down here. We need to get it right down here first. Before we start running and trying to make it through the gates of heaven. Because the Spirit is witnessing what it is we're doing with our lives. Are y'all with me? And so back in Luke chapter 9. Luke says something very interesting that, that I thought would pique your interest in what we're doing as, lo, I am with you always until the end of the ages, until the end of the world. What are we doing? What 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 what? Before, remember I said before we get to the end, let us understand the beginning. You see, being at the foot of the cross is not an event. It's a process. It's a process. And look what Jesus says to them. And, and he's talking to the disciples in, this, in, in, in Luke chapter 9 and, and, and verse number 20. In verse number 22 in Luke chapter 9 and verse number 22. Look what, look what he says. Uh, Saying, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders, 
of the chief priests and scribes and be slain and be raised the third day. Verse number 23, and he said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. You see, when one has come to the point where they're ready to change their life, where they're ready for the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit to be their witness in heaven, and they're ready to let the blood and the water and the Spirit be their witness upon the face of the earth, they have to understand that what you're, what, what you're leaning into is I'm going to take up my cross Daily. You see, when you're at the foot of the cross, and that foot of the cross meaning that you're at the foot of Christ's cross, it's not something that happens in a moment. It's something that you have carried over time. You've carried your cross. of life become heavy. And sometimes when you're when you're when, when, when you're when you when, when, when you're walking through your life's journey, when you're when you're carrying your cross, when you're carrying those burdens, let me tell you something. They can become so heavy. And let me tell you something, when weight becomes so heavy, it can not only not only does, does your knees do your knees rather begin to buckle and, uh, and to bend, but let me tell you something, weight gets to the point where you are stopped from forward. Thank God for the spirit who strengthens us. Remember in Romans chapter 8, we have spoken about it. In Romans chapter 8, I'm going to go here. Uh, we'll read it in text today uh, uh, for the sake of, uh, of reference for you. But in Romans chapter 8, last time we talked about how the spirit beareth witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And, 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 and I want to go on down to, to, to why that is so significant. When you look at Romans chapter 8, and I want you to look at uh, uh, verse number, uh, 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 I'm going to start at verse number 18. In Romans chapter 8, verse number 18, the text says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in a, Lord have mercy. Bear this burden. 
because you know the glory of heaven outweighs the weight of what you are carrying. He goes on and says, look, verse 19, for the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature, that is, all creation, for the creature was made subject to vanity, not willing, uh, willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall, bear, shall be rather delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. Not only did the blood of Christ make a pathway for the soul of humanity to be saved, the blood of Christ also made a pathway for all creation to be healed. the saving of our souls. But whole, the whole creation of God was, was corrupted when sin came in. And it suffered. But Jesus' blood, the sanctification through the water, the truth of the Holy Spirit, not only delivers the human soul, but it also delivers the whole creation in the end. Let, let, let me... Verse number 22. Uh, verse number 23. And not only they, but also, but, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, to wit, the redemption of our body, the redeeming, the purchase through the blood of Christ. Verse number 24, for we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope, why doth he yet hope for? Verse number 25, but if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Verse number 26, likewise the Spirit also helpeth. That's where our strength is. The Spirit is watching. Lord have mercy. The Spirit is watching, witnessing our lives. We go into watery grave of baptism. We come out of that watery grave of baptism. We don't come out of that watery grave of baptism weak. We come out of that watery grave of baptism strong. Because now we have access to the throne room of God. Through the Spirit of God. And that's why Acts 5.32 says God gives his spirit to all those who obey him. Let me tell you something. When my infirmities, oh, amen, when you can. When my infirmities become heavy, y'all might as well say amen. Y'all act like, I have infirmities.
because he recognizes it's not about what you can do. It's about what I can do. And that's why when they ask Jesus, if you will, if, uh, uh, you know, uh, 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 how shall a man deal with his neighbor? And God says, uh, 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 it, it, when he talks about God, he says, what is the first and greatest commandment? He says, love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. And the second is not like on the first. Love thy neighbor as thyself. And then another place Jesus would say, pray for your enemies. And I know y'all just fell out at that time. Some of y'all got to fan yourself and drink water. Now, let me tell you something. That means that Jesus is talking. Amen. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Vengeance is my sin. So, the strength of this life is through our understanding of how the Holy Spirit works with us in our infirmities. Because let me tell you something. To overcome this flesh, to overcome the sins of this world, to overcome this life, I need something stronger than me. I need somebody who's been down the terrain. He knows where the landmines are. He knows how to disarm them. He knows how to sidestep the devil's traps. I, that's who I need on my side. I need somebody who not only knows the road, but who wrote the map. That's who I need. I need somebody who wrote the map. Amen. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Lord, I don't know why you don't want me to step there, but since you said don't step there, I'm not going to step there. I'm not going to ask too many questions about why not to step there because I don't want to know what's there anyway. But I'm just going to go down the road you say go down. And so when you say pray, Lord, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray. And when, when, when you say give it over to the Lord, I'm going to give it over to you. Amen. Because I know you, I know you know how to handle it. Amen. Because if I bear this burden, if I carry it, and if I carry it too long, amen, because, you know, some things that might start off just as, uh, as weights can, can, can easily become sin, right? Can easily become sin. But, but I have to get to the point where I understand these infirmities these issues that I'm dealing with in my life and the challenges that I have in my life, I'm going to I'm go, I'm go to the Lord. And, and the Spirit is there to say, what you want? What you, what, what you need? What's going on? I'm going to help you with your infirmities. Amen. I'm going to help you. That's what, that's what he said in Romans chapter nine, uh, chapter 8. He says, I'm going to help you. 
Pray about them. And I'm going to pray about them. And when I pray about them, I have full confidence that God is going to give me the strength. Give me the strength to overcome them or to bear them. Either way, as long as God gives me the strength, I'm okay with it. I'm okay. Look what he says. In Hebrews chapter 12. In Hebrews chapter 12. Because we're talking about witnesses now. Hebrews chapter 12. We know now that we're carrying our own cross. And our own cross is our own sin, our own burden. That's what Luke says. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 1. I think I'm going to close here because there's a lot. Let me, let me close it. So Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 1. Paul writes and he says, Wherefore, seeing we are also, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, remember verse 11. Because verse 11 uh, rather, I'm sorry, chapter 11. Chapter 11 gave a listing of individuals who are going through various types of struggles, but they remained faithful or they committed themselves to God and God gave them the strength and blessed them to be able to overcome them or to bear them. Y'all with me? So you got witnesses. And Paul says, look, Paul says, look, I'm not telling you something that God has not already demonstrated he's willing to do. Lord have mercy. So see, we are compassed about with such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside. Look what he says. Let us lay aside every weight. Lord have mercy. Thank you, Lord. You're telling me that I don't have to carry that burden. I can lay it aside. I can put it down. Amen. I can put it down. And when I put it down, I'm doing something about weight. I said before that not only does weight get to where it becomes so heavy, where your knees begin to buckle, but it can become so heavy where your forward movement is stopped. Right? So when I get to the understanding and I go in my life with, with regard, I know that when things are keeping me from moving forward, you know what I do? I lay it down. I get it to the point. And by taking that weight off of me, you know what it allows me to do? Now my knees are And he says, look, lay off every weight and sin that so easily, and sin, which doth so easily beset us. And let us, wait a minute now. Wait a minute now. When he says, look, he says what to do before you can run. You see what our problem is? Our problem is we try to run with all this weight on us. And Jesus, like, you can't run with that weight on you. Lay it off. Water 
water grave at baptism, the blood, the water, the Holy Spirit is here to say, look, you can take this sin and you can lay it off me. Let Jesus handle it. Become sanctified. Become cleansed by the washing of the water, by the word. Let the Spirit strengthen you. So that you can begin, if you will, to run this race. And I mean run. Because, see, the devil has no power, but he can destroy. Oh, amen. That's why Peter says he's like a roaring lion. Seeking whom he may devour. Let me tell you something about running. And running from a lion. The fastest one is normally the one that gets a race. Amen. So I will take off all the weight that I can take off so that I can run as fast as I can. I'm sorry about y'all who don't want to take off weight. running the issues of my life because I've laid it off me I'm, I'm laying aside every weight and sin I'm laying aside the issues of life I'm laying aside all those things that keep me from focused on Christ that keep me from living a Christian life that keep me from making it to heaven's glory I'm laying it aside and I'm letting the spirit strengthen me I'm letting the spirit strengthen me so that I can run as fast as I can so that I can carry away the victory. I end this with verse number two because it brings us back to where we started in Luke chapter nine with Jesus speaking about a man carrying his cross, losing his life for God's sake. And he that tries to save his life without Christ shall lose his life. But if one gives their life to Christ, you shall find your life. The carrying of your cross is something that we begin with. But surely the strength that God gives us to bear our burdens, Galatians chapter 6 and Galatians chapter 5, helps us to understand that that cross that we bear is simply to remind us of the blessing that we have in Christ Jesus. Because he died for the sins of the whole world. In verse number 2, in Hebrews 12 and 2, look what he says. Let us, I'm in with verse number 1, let me end verse number 1. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. I, I, boy, I said I was going to close here. But I, I have to, this is, this is in my, this is in my thought. I got to bring it here. Look what he, look, the race that is before us. You know what our problem is? We spend too much time looking behind and not enough time looking forward. Amen. Too much time looking, I, I used to do this nice. I don't care what I used to do. I, I'm looking forward. The devil wants you to look behind. God says look forward. 
in the past, but I know what I can do to focus on the future. I can look toward Jesus. And so Paul says to us, let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Who for the joy, Lord have mercy. I don't even think we read that. I, 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 don't, think, I don't even think we really appreciated that verse when we, probably, when we read it the first time. The Bible says, who for the joy? Now, let me ask you something. Who's joyous about going to an instrument of torture? Who's joyous about that? What joy is there in that? Jesus says, I did this with joy. Because I died for you. Shed my blood for you. Not that Jesus had any sin, but that we had sin. And without his dying, there was no hope for us. He says, that's right. For the joy. The joy of saving the souls of man. For the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. When we are standing at the foot of the cross in our lives, just remember what Jesus did. He said, I went through all the joy. He stopped the Remember these words. We'll pick up this next time. Jesus said to those who were mocking him and ridiculing him as he let the world
There's power. In the blood, power in the blood. Would you for evil for victory win? There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, wonder working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Would you be free from your passion and pride? There's power in the blood. Power in the blood, come for a cleansing from Calvary's side. There's wonderful power in the blood. And there is power, power, wonder working power in the blood. In the blood of the Lamb, of the Lamb. There is power, God bless you. Power, God bless you. God bless you. working power in the precious blood of the
Amen. 